In this super special mini bonus episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about an apocalyptic good time, wine, women, and weed, escaping existential dread through writing, throwing down a cosplay challenge, and no spoilers? What? 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 <laughs> In our chat with PC Cast, author of the brand new book coming out July 12th, Into the Mist. <laughs> Sorry, I can't handle it. Everyone knows how I feel about PC Cast. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to chat with PC Cast. Yay! <laughs> Always fun to be back. Yay, we love having you. This one's so weird for us, though, because there's no spoilers. What are we going to do? We have to talk carefully around the spoilers. We do. We do. We can do that. We do. We can do it. Also, over 300 pages in Out of the Dawn, the (gasps) second book. I'm almost done with the second book. Oh, my God. Okay. Mm -hmm. I might have just might have just died a little bit on the inside, but it's fine. It's great. I'm excited. (laughs) So the level of crazy in book two is 10 out of 10. So yes, yay! that's what we like to hear. The body count's pretty high too. Yeah. Excellent. And again, a favorite topic of ours. I know. (laughs) So everyone, we're here talking with PC cast. Hooray, our favorite. And we are not being spoilery at all about her brand new book, Into the Mist, which comes out July 12th. And as everyone who listens to Fictional Hangover knows, we are slightly obsessed with PC. We've covered all of House of Night, Sisters of Salem, but now we've got a new adult duology on the horizon, and we're so excited for it. Me too. I haven't had an adult release in so many years, so many years. And it's so cool that that I have these two books coming out, well, Into the Mist and then Out of the Dawn that we were just talking about that I am into the very last half of the second book. And then I'll be doing um, adult um, books for Morrow, for Rachel Connett, William Morrow. And the first one will be about Bodica. Oh, wow. Yes. I'll be giving voice to dead queens. So I get to do a whole bunch of adult stuff. And then with Kristen, um, I'm still working on YA. And she and I will have a new YA duology that we can announce pretty soon too. Oh, that's so exciting. The, um, the first question that I wanted to ask you is that you've been writing YA for several several years, but you started out with adult yeah. and now you're doing adult again. So like, how do you feel about that? You're back I home. Really, I do. I, I like, when I write YA, I don't think about like pandering to teenagers. I don't think about, um, and you guys have read them, so you know, I don't yeah. think about oh, let me wash this out or let me, this is too, this is too um, intense for a teenage audience because I taught teenagers for 15 years and I know that they are uh, a lot more capable and mature and they know a lot of stuff too. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh-huh. And so they don't, I, I never have talked down to them. So as I was writing YA, really the only difference was, the biggest difference was that my main characters in YA books are quite a bit younger. And 
then when I write adult books, I can write, you know, any age I want. And I also realize that I have the freedom to get scarier, sexier, you know, all that kind of stuff, grosser, and not worry about being any of it being edited out. That's our favorite things. Scary, sexy, gross. <laughs> Three things that seem to be coming That I, I tell people that, I mean, Into the Mist has been like labeled as this feminist apocalypse thing. Um, <laughs> what it really is, is, well, see, I think that any book that represents women authentically is a feminist book. Yeah. Because if you're a feminist, you just believe that women are equal to men, which shouldn't be a radical thought, but in America today, it's a very radical thought. Yeah. Yeah, so, it is. Uh, yeah. So um, I knew that Into the Mist and Out of the Dawn would be labeled as feminist because it's a female point of view and it's an apocalypse. Sorry. <laughs> it was like, sorry. <laughs> I think it was a spider, the spider thing. It's grandma spider, go on over there. I'm not scared of spiders. It's okay. Um, but sorry, anyway, um, because it's, it's a, it's of course written from my point of view and my books, I always try to empower women and there's a huge, it, it starts like the apocalypse starts chapter one. Um, it's a group of teachers who are Oklahoma, Oklahoma school teachers who are, um, on they're at a conference on spring break in Timberline. That's not far from where I live um, in Oregon. And they're driving, actually they're on their way to the airport when um, all hell breaks loose. The bombs start dropping, there's insanity everywhere. And in these bombs, there's a biological element and the biological element kills any man who breathes it in. Women, um, you'll find out as we move into book two that, well, and you kind of know in book one too, so I'm not giving away any spoilers, um, that if women are exposed too long, it also kills them. Oh. But um, it changes them. On a genetic level, it changes them. And the first symptom of this change is that they realize that their blood can grow plants, grow things, make things grow. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. but there are a lot, there's a lot of different, there are other things too. There are other things, especially if you get more than one exposure to the mist and it doesn't kill you yet. Um, <laughs> but um, I knew because of, of the parameters of the biological element that it would be massively labeled feminist. And not only that, my heroines, this group of teachers, um, they're very, well, men fucked up the world and caused this. We're not gonna let that happen again. So in our world where we are, we're changing things up. And yeah. so, feminist! <laughs> but I know that doing it right. Right, I, but I think of it as a really great adventure that has a lot of wine, women, and weed in it. That's how I think about That's it. That's perfect. I was going to say, like, it sucks that because it, it's a book featuring powerful women, it's like, it's feminist. It's feminist. Well, see, I think feminist, it should be, that should be a, uh, a compliment. Should be, but yeah. that's not how a lot of people take but it anymore. No, it's, and they're it changing is, uh, it. Mm. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a target instead. 
Yes. But I knew that. I knew yes. that as I was yes. writing it and um, too bad. That, that's be a the whole, whole problem women. with the world at the moment, anything. Anything that's labeled female or woman, especially when it's like specific to that, you know, biological necessity need, it's labeled as wrong and other and unnatural. And it's like, it's, it's not. So can I ask, you know, within the book, without too many spoilers, do you address things like menstruation, um, having periods or any kind of like, you know, the, uh, pregnancy issues or anything like that? There, um, <clears throat> yes, I do. Uh, in the first book, there's a, um, one of our main characters is pregnant at the very beginning. Um, and yeah, in the, I, I address it as like a group of women would address it to each other. Yeah. You know, it's not like, and now we're going to menstruate. (laughs) It'd be more like, oh my fucking God, what are we going to do when we run out of tampons? I am not strapping a rabbit fur between my legs. Okay. What are we going to (laughs) do? You know, that kind of thing. And um, in book two, there's, there's, uh, more of there's a um, God I don't want to give any there's a pregnancy in book too a, a pregnancy that is very difficult and um, women come together and and deal with that I can't I can't give it away though because it is you guys don't even have any read well you guys have read book one but the but we're pretending that we haven't okay so we don't accidentally say anything oh my God okay okay. <laughs> Okay, this ahead. is the height of our professionalism right We're now. We're trying <laughs> really hard. Okay, well done. Well done, both of you. <laughs> so it sounds like you're addressing a lot of the political and cultural problems that are highly experienced at the moment within the US. And unfortunately, it's starting to happen within the UK. Um, so did was this book born or spurred on by the current climate or is it something that's kind of like we know you are a feminist we know to us you're a feminist icon you know you're an absolute legend when it comes to standing up and fighting for you know women's rights lgbtq plus rights you know uh, um, black uh, people of color's rights you know you are a huge advocate and it's all over your social media and it's fantastic so is this kind of being born from all of that frustration with what's going on with the world mixed with a story that's been burning inside of you or is it something yeah, completely it, different that's a really good question it this I love these two books I love these two books so much um, how they came about was a mixture of all of that. I wrote Into the Mist at the beginning of uh, the Rona. And at the very beginning, do you guys remember, we'll all remember forever, um, when it first started and it was like, it was so terrifying and so isolating. Yeah. You know, I mean, I am so close to my daughter and of course we can talk to each other anytime we want, you know, via the internetathon or any of those other things, but it was awful to have to like be afraid of being close to her physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that we all experience different degrees of that kind of thing, but, but you know, I live alone 
and well you know besides all those scotty dogs and that main <laughs> your you know, sea of scotty sorry, dogs that you know don't get mad <laughs> um, <laughs> um for the first part of that i couldn't write i tried to write and it it was gone it was i couldn't focus it was terrifying i had also at, you know, the Rona really started for us in um, March, 2020. Mm -hmm. um, in February, I had shoulder surgery um, to repair a, a, a horse injury. <laughs> Wasn't her fault though. Okay, it's an accident. Um, so I was also immune compromised and in a lot of pain because there's a lot, you know, I detached my bicep muscle and shattered my um, rotator cuff and lots of fun things like that. And so I had to do, um, you know, physical therapy. I only got like two meetings with my physical therapist in person. And then she had to, we had to do like zoom stuff and all that kind of, it was, I felt very isolated yeah. and in pain and I couldn't write. Um, a woman, I know, um, an agent said, put it into really good words. She said, it's existential dread. And she says, very hard to create during existential dread. So instead I um, ate cheese and drank wine <laughs> and watched TV a lot. I couldn't love you more. <laughs> yeah. And see, I don't, I don't eat, I don't do dairy. So I also, that also made me fat. And so then I had to deal with that after the existential dread started to pass. But, um, <laughs> but I started thinking, okay, so then, so the Rona happens and that was fucking horrible, right? Mm -hmm. Isolated, don't know when it's going to end. So glad I didn't know when it, aren't we all glad that we didn't know when it started, that it like, isn't really going to end? Yeah. You know? um, it's never going away. Right. Never going to go away. So that was horrible. And then right around the same time, within just a few months, we had those horrible, horrible wildfires in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're very fortunate here in the Portland area that we were just, it was just a warning that it was, they were getting close. Um, but as a result of the wildfires getting so close, we were shrouded in smoke for weeks. Yeah. It was terrible. So now those of us, like I have, a, I have about an acre in the hills and I, at the beginning of Rona, I lived outside. I wrote out on my back porch. I hiked all the time with my dogs. So then all, and that made me feel like it could be, it was kind of normal still, you know, but then the smoke happened and we, we couldn't even go outside. We had to like triple mask. If we're just going, I was going out to feed my koi fish, come back in triple mask. It was awful boiling big pots of like cedar and pine and peppermint to try to um, get the crap out of the air. Had like damp towels rolled up underneath our, our door jams. It was that terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was projected to be like 95 degrees and it was like 62. That's how much our, our, the sun was blanketed. It was horrible. And I was losing my damn mind because, um, I was in a really bad fire when I was a little girl. It's like, this is a scar. It's hard to see because I was only four then, but I have several scars on me that I've carried around a long time because God knows I'm not four anymore. And, but um, I, I have some, um, I have some PTSD issues about fire. And um, I remember all of it and everything. We were trapped in, in a tent. It was horrible, but that freaked me out. The, and I was losing my shit, man. I was losing my shit. And then I remembered that the last time I felt really trapped, it was in a terrible marriage. 
And instead of losing my shit, I got busy. And I sat down and I wrote what became Divine by Mistake. And not only was it an escape for me, but it was high fantasy. And I love high fantasy. But way back in the late 90s when I wrote it, it was very difficult for me to find high fantasy that was peopled with characters to whom I could really identify. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to write a fantasy and put like myself and all my girlfriends and like my family and all my favorite places and my favorite things like centaurs in it and wine and a whole bunch of stuff like that and just take myself on a big old um, adventure. So not only did I escape mentally from an abusive relationship, but it also eventually got me physically out of that abusive relationship. Um, being a published author is, you know, I taught too, but Oklahoma school teachers can't really support themselves and children on their, no, I'm like $26,000 a year. Woo. Um, so I decided to do the same thing. I decided to escape again. And I love apocalypse books. Love them. I love apocalypse <laughs> movies. I love apocalypse TV series. I love them. <laughs> Yeah. But I do, I still, the same, it was the same thing. I have a hard time finding adult apocalypse stories. This is not true in YA. Why authors are a lot better at this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But adult, I couldn't find characters that, that really reflected me. Like I love Justin Cronin's The Passage, those books, mm -hmm. love them. Passage, The Twelve, and I can't remember the other one, what the name of it is. But I don't see anyone in those books that's me or that I can even identify with really closely. So I thought I'm going to escape this wildfire hell, the Rona hell, the existential dread. I'm going to do exactly what I did in the late 90s. And I'm going to write the book I most want to read. Yeah. And that's what I did. So that's how that happened. And add to all of that. So it was what was going on around me physically. But then add to that that Trump was our president. Well, excuse me. Ugh. We need to keep the sorry. rating down. Can we not mention that word? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you can say a fucker. You can say a cunt. But the right <laughs> say the word. <laughs> and it was, you know, those of us with any kind of sense know that it was just the beginning of um, rights being taken away from anyone yeah. who doesn't identify as a white supremacist. Yes. And so I added that all into these two books. But of course, because I was writing them, they also have to be so much fun. Okay. Of course, they have so to be. If my women's blood can grow, can grow plants, they're going to grow weed. <laughs> oh, man. That's the first plant. <laughs> Right, and they're also going to be diligently looking for coffee beans that haven't been roasted, so I can grow some damn coffee too. <laughs> you know, and it's it's there's um the first book is sexy. There's not any real sex sex in it, but there's sexual tension and it's sexy. The second book, um, <clears throat> there will be some sex in the second book. It's also sexy, but there's a it it's yeah it's. There, it's fun. It's fun. Okay, I had a, I'm having a really good time writing. Um, writing, going into the conclusion of Out of the Dawn, the second book, which, by the way, 
has the most gorgeous fucking cover Ooh. out of the dawn i can't show you well i could show you guys on the side but um i can't show everyone because they're gonna my publisher wants to release it you know and all that kind of stuff yeah. but this cover it's in the same style as into the mist it is spectacularly beautiful i was just i gasped aloud when i saw it it's so gorgeous so i'm having a lot of time a lot of fun with these books it's really exciting. Your, your books recently as well. I, I, I know we've mentioned this before when we've just been chatting just together, uh, Amanda, how gorgeous the covers are. Yes. Oh, yeah. just, it's just so pretty. Like the, the Salem uh, books are just Salem gorgeous. So pretty. Oh, and it, yeah. I love the, the, the colour pops and Into the Mist is amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I just like, got, where is it? I just got um, finished copies of it. And oh, it's wow. so beautiful. The the um, titles foiled, and it's a really it's a matte, pretty soft gold. It's just the book is so pretty, and the finished books have illustrations in them of all the main characters um, throughout. And um, the finished books also have uh, a Q and A in the back, so and cool. it's, they're really they're really really pretty. That's cool. I look at book covers now, and I always think. Can Amanda make those into eyebrows? <laughs> Can Amanda cosplay this book cover? Hmm. <laughs> Can you be the book cover? It's, yes. It sounds silly, but you just do so such imaginative, playful things with colours and you, you know the makeup. I always okay. look at book covers and I think, Can Amanda do eyebrows in this book cover? The donut <laughs> and into the mist ready. just speaks. She just did a beautiful cosplay from Inspired by Into the Mist. I, I posted it on Facebook for it's gorgeous, gorgeous, very kind of scary, apocalypse looking, but sexy and cool. Nice. Which well, don't worry. I'll have one too, but we have to do it after we talk about it for real on the podcast. So everyone challenge has to wait. Challenge thrown down, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so this is the start of a duology. We've been talking yes. about the two books and the duology. So how do you feel about writing something so short? Because all of your other series have a million books in them. Um, well, they tend to be big. The, it's like Into the Mist was like 125,000 words mm-hmm. and Out of the Dawn will probably be about that much too. So when you add them up, they're really kind of three books. Yeah. I kind of speak like that. Um, <laughs> I prefer writing big and I prefer writing three or four, mm-hmm. but it's always up to publishers. You yeah. know, they're like, we want two. Like, all right, I'll write two. I love duologies though. Duologies are perfect. I like duologies. Mm, yeah, and my hope, you know, I think what they should do with duologies is like release release one one year the other the next year and then the softback edition should be both of them mushed oh, together yeah. well that's what that's kind of what you're doing with sisters of salem you've got jinx coming out they which did. is books one and two in one yep. so that's going to be really cool in another really cool cover too yeah that one's a pretty cover i like that yeah, one. It's, really pretty. it's really pretty i'm hoping that a house of night gets a whole redo pretty soon so <sighs> but then oh. i have to redo my cosplays for book covers that i've done <laughs> <laughs> damn it shucks damn. oh man Cheers. i know you can tell you're just I have, inconsolable 
I have gone back in, um, as we all know, you know, House Night was written in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And um, looking back at it, especially the early books, especially like the first four, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of vernacular that is not acceptable today. Yeah. Like all I did was um, I was teaching high school then. Mm-hmm. And I, I just put their words in a book. I put what mm-hmm. they sound like, what teenagers around me sound like in a book. And um, retard was a big, if you were a teenager in Oklahoma, yep. that was, you were saying that word a lot. Yep. And I don't ever use that word. And, but I want to be authentic to what they sounded like. And I was kids. That was why kids started buying it and loved yeah. them so much. It sounded like them. Um, but it's not, it's, it's not okay today. It's also, I have um, matured as an author and um, realized that using food to describe people's skin colors is not good. It's not good writing. And there was some, some situations set up in the early books that come off very much as, sh- as slut shaming mm. that was not my intention when I wrote them. Sure. Yeah. I don't understand that. Sadly, I, I should have been, I should have been better about that. Um, clearer about that <clears throat> because that doesn't resolve until book four or five. The thing between Zoe and Aphrodite doesn't really resolve, resolve until like book four or five. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I knew I was going to resolve it. I just should have, I should have gone about it a different way. So I have been asking Macmillan for many, many years. Let me go back in. Let me go back in. Let me go back in and update these. Let me go back in and fix this problematic language mm-hmm. and fix, you know, some of this stuff. And I've finally been allowed to. Oh, so wow. I've, yep, I've gone through Marked, Betrayed, and Chosen right now. I wow. know that the e-copy of Marked is the, mo- is the latest, is the one I've gone through. I don't, I just turned in Betrayed and Chosen not too long ago. So I don't know if that's been updated yet as eBooks. Mm-hmm. And I just found out not too long ago, they're going to allow me to do that with the rest of the series too. Oh, wow. I don't oh, need to amazing. do it with the other world series because I was a better writer when I wrote the other world series. And also, even as you, as you work tw- through the House of Night books, the kids in the later books just sound like themselves. They don't yeah. have to be so reflective of like teenage vernacular around them because we know who they are so right. well by the time we're into book four, five, six of 12 plus, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the later books have an easier, as I'm going through them, we'll have an easier go through going through them. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I have so grateful that I've been allowed to do that. That's really exciting. That's why I'm hoping we also have new covers. Yeah. That there's a big, ta-da, look what we did. And here are new covers. Yay. Now I have <laughs> an excuse that happens, to read them again. Hopefully push it towards getting it, it's the TV network pickup. Um, see, see it on social media all the time. The, the, the excellent cosplayers are always always tweeting out to try and get something anything please mm-hmm. pick it up mm-hmm. so right. it would be excellent if something like that could happen as well, well the, oh, the really script is fantastic i've read it it's it's hilarious it's wonderful it's it's really good it, it makes me laugh out loud 
and it is a it is a it is not word for word from the books sure no one would want that if anyone really understood how that would translate Mm -hmm. it would be so tedious to watch (laughs) because books aren't novels or books aren't movies books aren't tv series right they're a different medium um so i love what the screenwriter has done um and also um she the screenwriter she has um updated zoe so zoe's no longer still a 2000 you know five teenager she sounds more today and she's she's really funny too she's it's it's good i like i like the whole thing that's amazing oh that's really exciting i hope something comes of it because i know we've uh, a vampire book club um we've talked about it obviously because it's involving vampires and especially with other YA books being uh, turned into TV programs now. Like, but, but what about House of Night? Yeah, what about House of Night? Just, yeah, little preferences about, things. oh, when would it be set? When it was originally made, like early noughties, or would it be brought up to date? You know, we'll, be, we'll date it by the cell phone. It's fine. <laughs> right. We'll have a chunky Nokia on the smartphone. The flip one open. A B. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My yeah. last employer gave me one of those as a work mobile. And I looked at it and went, no, it never got turned on. Never. It's like no. you, these this must have been stolen out of a bin, for goodness but, sake. But you know what? You could turn it on in the post-apocalyptic world and it would still work. That's right. <laughs> you say that, but it was a really cheap, nasty thing that probably didn't even cost oh, 20 no. quid. Oh, it right. was rubbish. If it was a Nokia, then yes, I agree, because Nokia <laughs> is like a, the cockroach of mobile phones. It would last. But this was just like we had to get new SIM cards. And I took it into the IT guy. He literally howled with laughter. And I sat there, <laughs> couldn't look at him in the eye in shame and just pushed it over the table and just please change the SIM don't see anything it's not my choice (laughs) my dad has those forever forever and now that he has a you know a regular smartphone I'll wake up and and look at my phone and I'll see that I have a call a missed call and a message from my dad and I'll go into the message and it will just be my phone in his pocket for as long as it, and I'll, I'll text him and then I'll call him later and be like, dad, did you not get my text? Oh, 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 yeah, oh, <laughs> dad, <laughs> but yeah, dad, 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 dad. <laughs> it's when they get access to emojis. And you're like, I don't think you know that what the aubergine, the no. oh, there's no eggplant emoji means. Yeah, Are you kidding? <laughs> we don't, okay? We don't, it's just not. <laughs> dad okay oh that's hilarious mm. <laughs> i'm really excited for the house notes books being re- re- redone then no it's a Can perfect excuse to reread them well, as I'm if i if need that stuff in like you know make Lorian's death more gruesome and horrific and painful for him Lauren's <laughs> death i was to happen very- a thousand times when I went through them and I, I went through them after sensitivity readers read them and gave me their input. Um, I love working with sensitivity readers. 
love it. The two sensitivity rooters that are working with me on Hasamite are amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. We have a, a woman of color who's also queer and we have a um, awesome Native American um, reader. I love both of them. And um, I, have, I have to be very careful to not actually rewrite the books though. So it's not, that doesn't change. What, mm-hmm. what happens doesn't change. It's the descriptions, the, the language, and some of the reactions that mm-hmm. we learn about later come into play earlier. Ooh. So that's, and it's, but it's still house and night. It's still the way it was. I, and I decided as I was doing it, I'm not updating the references. I'm not going to update all the fun, all the references that the kids used mm-hmm. that, you know, was, they're really from the mid 2000, mm-hmm. yeah. about 2005 ish. Right. And I, I just, I started to update them and I was like, Nope, Nope, I'm not updating them. No, nope, I'm going to leave them exactly how they are. It's nostalgic. It's when the books are set. Mm-hmm. It's so I'm, I'm leaving them as they are. Yeah. And I did. So they really are. It's just, I just, went through and fixed them that's all that's all I'm doing I'm not changing I'm just fixing you're bringing new audience to the true blood fandom as well because you know that was mentioned quite a few times oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's true like, blood. Wait, what are you talking about true blood true blood yeah because true blood was really big when I was writing house and I true blood yeah. was really big and I love true blood too so yeah we're talking then, about it, that series now on the podcast so oh are you oh. yeah we're up to we just finished book six so very exciting. Do you have any other just finished book stuff? six. We're not sure if we actually ever read book six before. We still wouldn't read it. Do you guys have any <laughs> other non-spoiler questions for me? About Into the Mist? Well, we do. The last question that like we have here that we need to ask, because it wouldn't be an episode of Fictional Hangover, oh. even if it is a mini episode of Fictional Hangover, without a would you rather question. Oh, good. Okay. So, and, and we know, and this is just based on the summary because again, no spoilers because we're trying really hard here. Good job. We know based on the summary that right. this biological weapon bestows powers on yes. women. So we wanna yeah. know which power would you choose if you had the choice from the ones listed in the summary, would you rather be a warrior, a seer, a watcher, a priestess, or a healer? Oh man. Well, I identify most closely with the warrior character. Um, but were I actually in an apocalypse, I would think that probably the healer character would be more, because uh, both those characters can grow plants with their blood. Cool. Okay. So that's cool. That's, that's good. But and then we also find out that the healer has a more difficult time healing herself mm. than healing others, which makes sense. Yeah. But um, so I, my first answer would be the warrior because I identify with her. Plus she's, it would be really nice to be really strong and really fast, you know, yeah. that helps during the apocalypse, but also the healer part. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. I'm going to say the warrior though, because the warrior, I identify with her more closely, but um, 
I am also, I'm torn, I'm torn. Yeah. What would you, what about you guys? I always, in this case, in apocalypse scenarios, always choose a healer because I have fucking diabetes and I won't survive the apocalypse. Right, right. Yeah. Now, the I problem you got you can't because as we've just established, the healer has a hard time healing themselves. Look, I'll Guess do what? anything. I am, going, I am going to be a healer so I can make sure I can heal you as well. Okay. There, see? Okay, that's fine. She then. can she can heal herself though. But I I your diabetes, if you were one of the healers, the the green mist would probably take care of that diabetes. Okay. Score. Yeah. Yes. And bring on the mist. Because it does make changes. Mm -hmm. It does make changes. But, and it's really cool to, and it's very handy during an apocalypse to be like a seer, to, to know when shit's coming down, yeah. right? When it's like, when our seer character says, pack it up, get the hell out of here now. They're like, yes. <laughs> and if they don't, if they dilly dally, like I did getting ready for this podcast, <laughs> If they mess around or if something stops them, things every single time something gets fucked up. So you learn very quickly. If she says go, we need to go. Yeah. That is a big deal in book two. It's a big deal because our our seer, she she her confidence gets shaken. You guys know by the end of, at the end of book one, her confidence is shaken in her abilities. Yes. And so in book two she at the beginning of book two she's not quite as assertive as she is early in book one until this confidence shaking episode happens mm. so she's she's more like okay i don't know if i'm thinking this isn't a good idea because i don't like dead things and i don't want to go in there or because there's something dangerous in there so that's and she that that sets up a situation in book two where um something really really not good happens that they could have prevented had she been more confident in in her abilities Ooh. see that's so. the thing about being a seer i always wonder or worry that would be a cassandra situation you know from, from mythology that you're not yeah. believed and you know in fact it's it's the opposite and everybody doesn't believe you and nobody follows you and death and yeah yeah i always worry well, about that I, as a I, character. I just listened to i just listened to electra and that, a book by i can't even remember i'm sorry i'm sorry author i was really terrible about remembering names and electra one of the big characters in it was cassandra that you get from her point of view and it's so frustrating to be a seer that like like our seer too she she has this knowledge but even after she proves to herself she knows what she's talking about and proves to others, you still have, you know, some people being like, uh, but do you really mean that we shouldn't do that? She's All like, right. yes, I really mean you shouldn't do that. It's and then our kind of our seer also has a mouth and she's like, she's like a 40-something-year-old woman who knows herself. She's like, fucking go ahead and do it then. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You're going to screw up. 
other people doubting you is horrible. Like, you know, if you've already got your confidence knocked and then everybody's second guessing yeah. you or nudging you, oh, it's just the worst. It's yeah, that happens. Be yeah, that definitely happens in the, yeah. I have, sorry, I have an alarm going off in the front of my house. And let me look on my cameras real quick and make sure nothing bizarre is going on out there. Okay. Something nope. bizarre is happening. It's fine. Everything's okay. fine. Okay. <laughs> like, sorry, everything's fine. <laughs> is the mist coming? Did your seer tell you that you need to get the fuck out? Because the seer, my seer, um, who is based on one of my best friends, she um, has not told me I need to get the fuck out. So okay. I'm feeling okay. just fine about about everything right now. The Scotty dogs, they are not on high alert. Seems Good. like everything. Safe so. for now. Plus, we'd be okay. If the mist just came a little bit, we'd be okay. Yeah. It's when you get trapped in it that then you're not a good idea yeah. to camp in a low because it's heavier than air. So ah. low. Yeah, no, not not a good idea. Not a good idea. No. Oh, okay. Well, it looks like we've kept you for about an hour, which I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's many for fictional hangover that is many short for fictional hangover so we'll let you go but is there anything else that you want to say about this book that comes out next week for everyone you're not cool like us and you already got it is there anything anything else you want what do you want everyone to know what do you want them to take away from this book it's a good time even though it's apocalyptic and the body count's kind of high. Well, no, the body count's real high. Um, <laughs> there's still, it's going to make you laugh. It will, it will make you laugh and it will be an escape from existential dread. And that's what we need right now. We do. Mm-hmm. We do. We are surrounded by dread in the yes. United States at this point. So this will help. That's what we need. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about your book. and please come back when we talk about it like in actual full spoilery details like we do on fictional hangover we're planning on doing that in august so we're gonna have to drag you back for that so we can actually have a real conversation about the book because you know we're dying and we need to but we're gonna save it for august okay hurting me i know pain pain but it'll be fine everyone Everyone will be fine. It'll be okay. Right. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. We love you, PC. Love Bye. you too. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So that's it for this super special mini bonus episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time for our regularly scheduled episode out on Wednesday. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book.